Three, two, one. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Digital Marketing Podcast and video series where we talk about digital marketing strategies to help grow your business. Today, we're going to talk about creating a powerful influencer marketing hub to help grow your business in 2020. And I'm extremely uh, amped up and excited to have as a guest on the show, Nancy Rothman, VP of Marketing from Sidekick. Nancy, welcome to the show. Thanks, Michael. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think to kind of get things started, um, you know, I, I think it would help for folks that are tuned in to, you know, really just kind of have a, a good starting point of what is an influencer? Let's start with that. Sure. We uh, get this question a lot. And I think that one of the things that um, it makes us a little different is the way that we view influencer. I think that one of the misconceptions in the industry is an influencer is somebody that has millions of followers, professional photography, um, you know, basically a Kardashian um, that has this great lifestyle. Um, but in reality, an influencer is really anybody in your community that touches your brand and has some kind of influence in their own community. Um, an influencer could be your next door neighbor. It could be your cousin. It could be your, um, you know, PTA peers. Um, an influencer is really anybody. Um, influencer marketing is really just a branch of word of mouth marketing, which has been around forever. Um, people talking about your brand, people talking about your product, your services, whatever the case may be. Um, so an influencer is really anybody, anybody can be an influencer. Yeah, I do think that there is a, a, a misconception that, you know, the influencer has to be a Kardashian or, you know, uh, a, you know, sports, uh, you know, MVP of the Super Bowl, you know, kind of a thing that that there are those influencers um, that, you know, as as you guys kind of. I'll, I'll use it as I found it on your website, uh, a nano influencer. So how does a nano influencer differ from what people think of as, you know, a, a, you know, a big celebrity? So um, there are actually different types of influencers, different tiers of them. Um, and in the industry, the way that they're viewed is the number of people that they're able to reach. Um, if you start at the very tip top, you have celebrities who have, millions and millions and millions of followers who um, have kind of gotten their claim to fame through traditional media, traditional entertainment, movie stars, singers, um, and people like that. The next level um, after that are um, influencer celebrities, people who have found their fame through social media channels, um, Vine stars, if anyone remembers what Vine was for their, their um, few seconds of fame, um, TikTok. YouTube, those kinds of folks fall under that category. Um, and then you have macro influencers who have, you know, over a million followers. The next tier um, from that are um, micro influencers that have less than a million. And then nano influencers are really the people that are probably going to be the most relatable to consumers, which are the people that have less than a thousand, less than 2000 followers. Um, who are just sharing their real life um, day to day and use social media to stay connected to the people that they know. 
right, right. You know, I, I guess when when you when you think about reaching out to and trying to you know really engage with an influencer, um, what are what are just some of the best practices? I mean, you know, I've heard people who have tried to just you know send a DM and say, "Hey, how much will you charge to you know promote a a, a picture or say this or say that." What are what are what are some of the do nots do not do this when trying to engage an influencer? I think the first do not is what you exactly what you just <laughs> brought up. <laughs> um, you know, I think the key to a really solid influencer strategy and using influencers in a meaningful way is to have a really authentic relationship with the influencer, but also finding influencers who are really genuine and authentic in their own right. Um, you know, if you are a organic vegan hair care brand, you wouldn't want to go and work with an influencer who is taking private jets everywhere and eats at steakhouses every night. Um, you really want to find influencers who align with your brand's traits and your brand's um, beliefs. Um, and then, Outside of that, once you actually start to engage with influencers, you want that relationship to be just as authentic and just as genuine and it not be such a transaction. I think that a lot of brands have gotten burned in the past because they do treat influencer as a transactional mm. relationship where they're reaching out to someone that's got a million followers and they are just paying them to you know, post something on social about their product. If it's not really a meaningful engagement, that person, that influencer isn't necessarily bought into the brand either. Um, one of the things that some of our clients do that I think is really great is build an ambassador program around their community of influencers, an ambassador program that has people who are already loyal to your brand. They already love your product. They already love your services and really just empowering them to go out to their communities and talk about how great your brand is. Um, and those influencers are honestly sometimes even more impactful than just those transactional ones that you see sometimes. There's still value in in having, um, you know, a pay-to-play type of model. Um, but I think it kind of just goes back to wanting to make sure you have your goals very clearly defined and finding the right tactics that are going to uh, result in those those goals. Yeah, I think I think you're right, Nancy. I think that spot on if if your values don't match up with the perceived values of the influencer by his or her followers, um, then then you're setting up that, you know, sort of that that, you know, almost plastic facade like, oh, my gosh, why is this person talking about? you know, this product or service when, you know, three posts ago, I saw them say or do or use something that is in complete opposite, you know, alignment, uh, which could easily happen if you were in looking for just a transactional, you know, relationship uh, with that influencer. That's a great point. And I think you're right. I think, I mean, you know, some businesses are, are, are just like, you know, we need to sell right now. We need to, we need to, well, you and I share a, a common history of, you know, being in the automobile industry. And, and, you know, as I know that, 
you know, at the end of the day, it's how many cars, you know, cross the curb and, you know, it becomes a very transactional relationship. Um, and, and so I'll pick on that industry because, you know, they spend a lot of money in, in advertising and they do think of things in transactional, uh, terms, but, I think, as you pointed out, the long-term benefit of aligning your brand with an influencer who has those shared values is is really a a, a perfect thing. How do how do brands do that? I mean, how do they evaluate? And you know, I mean, there are so many different people. Like, you literally need to have some kind of you know place to go, or like it's it's hard to just organically try to look through people's you know, profiles and, and stuff like you literally need a platform. I mean, like yours, right? Like what, what are some of the just basics of how, how to discover who you need to talk to? Yeah. I mean, there are a couple of different ways to do that. You know, obviously the first that I have to plug is a platform like Sidekick that has a database of different types of influencers, different size of audiences um, where we are pulling in data like um, the demographics of that influencer's audience to really understand who's following that influencer, again, to find that alignment. Um, so obviously tools like ours make it super easy. But another way to do that would be to just look at an influencer's content and what they're putting out and how they're positioning themselves. Um, you know, a really good example of this is, you know, I think, Time is so hard right now, but I think it was last year that the Varsity Blues scandal um, happened where, you know, people are paying for their kids to get into the um, the prestigious schools. And Olivia Jade, who is Aunt Becky's daughter, um, you know, was one of the people that was caught up in that scandal, and she was an influencer. And if you go back and you look at her account, every single one of the posts that she had on her Instagram account were all sponsored content. They were things that brands had just paid her to post about. Um, but there wasn't really anything authentic about her relationship with her following. People weren't really commenting. She wasn't really engaging with people. Um, she never even addressed her, you know, the scandal that was going on. And thinking about influencers today, one of the things that I think has been really great to see is a lot of influencers are taking that human approach and being more authentic and being more genuine um, and addressing what's going on in the world while still keeping up their con their contractual commitment. Um, this one um, influencer that I follow, you know, she still had a bunch of these brands lined up to do sponsored posts and content. But in between those, she was addressing her audience and making sure that they knew that it wasn't because she wanted to do it. It was because you know, she had to, and she didn't want anyone to feel like she was being tone deaf. So, you know, that was kind of the long way of saying you can kind of just look at what they're saying and what they're putting out and find influencers who are really authentic and human. Um, and those relationships will go a lot further. Yeah. Nancy, I mean, you know, uh, the, the, the numbers are, are staggering uh, across the nation right now. You've got, um, I, I think, uh, now I think reported over 30 million people are, you know, filing for unemployment in America. You have businesses across. Um, it doesn't matter if you're in Florida or California or New York, you've got, you know, just 
tons of small businesses, restaurants, and um, you know bars, and you know hair salons, and gyms, and you know all of these different small businesses that are the backbone of the American economy. If if you're a business and you're closed, what what should you be doing, or what can you be working on right now? from an influencer marketing strategic, you know, standpoint, what are some things that, that you, you could be and should be doing right now? That's a great question. I think a lot of, a lot of businesses are, are thinking about this local and national people that have, you know, franchises or multiple locations. Um, you know, I think that everyone's been saying unprecedented. We've never had to go through this and all of that is true. Um, but instead of kind of digging a hole in the sand and just kind of trying to sit it out, I think that the best thing brands can do right now is to continue to stay engaged with their community in whatever way makes sense for that business, that brand. Um, you know, for restaurants that are closed right now that, you know, hopefully will open again soon, posting content about recipes that they could be doing at home or how to re- recreate a signature dish that they have um, in their restaurant because eventually this will be over. We will get through this. It'll pass and doors will open again. And when they do, you want to have your community so excited that your business is open that they're going to rush back in. Um, you know, same thing with even businesses that maybe have to shutter after this is over. I think that those businesses will rebuild. Maybe it's in another way. But as long as you have your core community engaged and they are still there, um, you know, that is, is really core to any successful business is having that community of people that support and, and want to continue to, um, spend money with you. Um, so recreating some of those missed opportunities online is, is something that a lot of brands are doing. Um, you're seeing a lot of the cruise ships doing it right now. A lot of the different cruise brands are trying to create the experiences you have on the cruise line kind of from your house, whether that's a happy hour or, again, recreating recipes or playing games. Um, things like that, I think, are are really important to businesses right now to just keep people engaged. Yeah, that, that's some that's some great advice. I love that. You know, it, so I came, I read something, I think it was over the weekend, I was reading on Medium. Uh, I love that platform. A lot of great content on there. Um, I think it was, that's where I read it, but, um, I, and I think it was actually covered from a stunt that was pulled last year, um, that Burger King did with influencers. Do you know the story about this? Uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah. So Burger King decided that it was going to do a, I mean, literally a guerrilla influencer marketing, uh, tactic. And so, Somebody in the in the in the marketing department at Burger King was like, "Okay, guys, um, they're going to launch something um, related to one of the products that they had that was like ten years old." And so what they did was they went and they targeted like a bunch of you know really high profile sports celebrities, you know actors, actresses, just all these profiles and. They went to their Twitter profile and they went back 10 years. And, you know, if they could find someone that hit, you know, that had been on Twitter, you know, going back to 2010, 
they would go in and they would they would leave a comment on one of their posts from 10 years ago. Well, of course, that those users got a notification that Burger King left a comment on a post for 2010. I think it was, this was last year. So the, all the all the comments were from 2009. I remember that now. And so all of a sudden you had these influencers like retweeting, hey, Burger King, uh, you're kind of late to the game. <laughs> like that post is from 10 years ago. And so they, you know, Burger King never said anything. And all of a sudden these influencers started, you know, making comments, like making fun of Burger King on their profile because they had, you know, tweeted something or, or made a comment on a post from 10 years ago. And I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> that is so brilliant. And of course, you know, all of a sudden the, 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 the firestorm kind of picked up because you have all these influencers saying the word Burger King. <laughs> yep. And, and it was just like, and then they announced, you know, they were bringing back like the double Whopper or something, 10 year anniversary. And, you know, and like a bunch of the influencers like, damn suckers, we've been played. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was great. You know, now that I think about it, maybe that I, I can't remember. It was medium or ad week. I don't know. One of the two, but I thought that was a great story. Um, what about this? What if, okay, so we talked about, you know, businesses that are, are closed, whether it's, you know, cruise lines or, you know, restaurants. I mean, obviously in Florida and in some of the other areas, we're starting to open up with, you know, 25% capacity and, and things like that. So we're barely cracking the door. But what about organizations that, you know, have been open, who have been, you know, serving, uh, or, or providing services or products or, or are in the, you know, uh, human services area, like a non-for-profit organization, um, you know, or some other organization that, you know, still is, is providing ongoing services. What, what should they be doing right now? I think that they should, you know, very similar to how shutter businesses are is, is keeping their community updated on what's going on. You know, right now there's so much uncertainty and people don't really know which way is up and what's going on for any of their businesses. So staying in touch with your community and making sure you're communicating really regularly about what you're doing and how you're handling um, the crisis right now is really important. Um, and I'm glad that you mentioned nonprofits. Nonprofits is a segment that, that I'm really personally passionate about. And, you know, there's one um, here in Atlanta that I work with. Uh, they serve uh, foster children and foster families. And, you know, I think that, you know, and at least, you know, my network, we're a professional network. So a lot of us are very fortunate to be able to work from home and continue to, to do what we do um, and are looking for ways to help. And I think that nonprofits can be kind of tapping into that a little bit more and making sure that they're letting people know that they're still open, making sure they're letting people know that they still need donations or they still have needs in general, um, or, you know, letting, giving people an opportunity to help. Um, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, there was a this organization called Georgia Gives that helped um, nonprofits throughout the, throughout the state. And they usually do a fundraiser near Thanksgiving in November sometime to raise money for local nonprofits. And they actually launched a spring fundraiser um, this last month to to help during this, this COVID crisis. 
Um, and what they can do is just let people know they're still open, let people know there's still people in need, um, and give them ways to help. And sometimes, you know, those ways to help is donating is monetary donations. Obviously that is the most valuable thing to, to nonprofits a lot of the time. Um, but I think that there are other ways that people, consumers can help nonprofits that nonprofits don't necessarily think about as helping. Um, you know, if people can't make a monetary donation. I know that's really tough for a lot of people right now. They can ask people to share their message, share their nonprofit, um, and get people to just help raise awareness for the, the work that they're doing. Um, you know, another way is to donate their time. There's another organization here that's helping, um, you know, immunocompromised folks get groceries and run errands and get to the pharmacy because they, they can't leave their house. Um, so finding different audiences in your community that can help in different ways and making sure they know you're still open is probably the biggest um, thing they can do to, to keep it going. That's, that's great. Yeah, we're, uh, it's amazing. There, there are so many different organizations right now that are impacted in so many different ways. Uh, you know, we work with Second Harvest of the Big Ben locally, um, you know, and, and obviously um, food distribution to, to families is huge, um, you know, right now. And, uh, you know, work that we've done with the Florida Assisted Living uh, Association of, of folks that, you know, need that type of service. It, it's those kinds of organizations who desperately need, you know, the voice and influence of people who are, you know, looked up to and who are admired in their community just to help spread awareness of, you know, the resources that are available, um, you know, whether it's food scarcity, uh, you know, whether it's elder care, um, you know, the, it's those kinds of I feel like those are difficult connection points when trying to think of, of influencers and, and how they can help an organization, um, you know, just, just really make an impact. And I think, um, I think you made some great points. I think the last thing I want to do is, is, you know, we were talking before, you know, a platform like yours that's, that's used by, you know, brands like Coca-Cola and Under Armour and Home Depot, like, you would think that, you know, you would need like a six digit annual budget uh, to be able to to leverage the kind of data and insight that a platform like yours has. But uh, you were telling me about a, a special offer that we could extend to the, the folks who are listening to our uh, show today. And I'm super excited. Um, tell us tell us what they can um, take advantage of right now. Sure. So um, in addition to the influencer marketing capabilities that our platform has from searching for influencers, managing that relationship, and then measuring the ROI from those campaigns, we also have an engagement um, piece of our product that lets you run promotions and giveaways and collect feedback from your community um, in a really easy, seamless way. So um, what we've done is we've rolled out a free product. Um, and who doesn't love free, right? That's right. Um, we are giving promotions away for free right now. Um, and we also have small business pricing if you wanted to upgrade and have more features available to you in the product. Um, if you want to go and check that out, it is sidekick.com slash SMB. That's S-I-D-E-Q-I-K.com. 
All right. Yeah, guys, you definitely want to check out that link, uh, sidekick.com forward slash SMB uh, and take a look at that. So, all right. Well, Nancy, this has been a great show. Uh, thank you so much for agreeing to come on the show and share with us, um, you know, your tips and insight when it comes to influencer marketing. And uh, I hope you have a great week. You too. Thank you so much again for having me on. You bet. Guys, my name is Michael Wynn. I am the Chief Digital Officer of Digital Ops, a division of RB Oppenheim Associates. Thanks for tuning in today, and we'll catch you guys next time on the Digital Marketing Podcast. Bye, Nancy. Have a great day. You too. Bye.